Well, welcome back to the Someone to Tell It To podcast. It's so good to have you here with us today. We just had such a nice conversation with our guest, and we're looking forward to sharing it with you. I share very early on in this episode that literally we just rubbed elbows at our co-working space one day, and I just nudged her and said, hey, would you consider being a podcast guest? Because she just is such a genuinely sweet, kind, authentic person, and uh, it's just nice to get to know her better. And uh, this is one of those that every once in a while it happens where we, we always prepare questions ahead of time, do a lot of research to understand the person we're going to be talking with and be able to ask them, we hope, our intelligent, articulate questions. And um, we, we asked uh, from, from the prepared list of questions, maybe two, <laughs> uh, which, which is a good sign because it meant the conversation was very natural, very organic very um, easy and she her responses led to other questions that we never would have anticipated to other avenues that we never would have known about and that that's always fun and it, you know, it went very fast and we just felt good about it it was uh, very relaxed and that's always nice too so we're uh, we hope that you'll enjoy it and you'll feel that same way as well brianna campbell brings a fresh perspective of leadership development to the mix after graduating from Cornell University in 2017, she joined a strategic consultory where she created culture development programs for her clients. Her background in facilitating leadership, coaching sessions, business workshops, and strategic branding has given her insight into a plethora of industry verticals, including government, finance, property management, restaurant, and nonprofit sectors. Her desire to see teams and organizations empowered to go beyond what they thought possible is what drives her work today. Culture is very important to her. She knows the more positive the culture we are in, especially in our work lives, the better we will be. We use Buzzsprout to create this podcast, and as a small nonprofit team, we really appreciate how easy they make it to get our guests' stories out into the world. With Buzzsprout, you get a beautiful podcast website, audio players to embed into other sites, detailed analytics, tools to promote your episodes, and so much more. Use the link in the show notes to get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan and to support our show. As the co-founders of Someone to Tell To, we often find ourselves traveling around between meetings and listening sessions, and we often don't really have time for the little things like grocery shopping. I'm sure many of you have had that experience when at the end of a long workday, you'd rather do anything else than shop for groceries. That's why we're happy to give our listeners the chance to get free delivery on your first Instacart order over $35. You'll get the products you love from your local stores in as fast as one hour. There's nothing quite like sitting down at the end of the day to be present for your family over a home-cooked meal, and takeout just doesn't feel the same. So if you find yourself needing groceries and considering getting takeout instead, get hand-selected products delivered straight to your door. Get free shipping on orders over $35 by using the link in the show notes. Brianna, it's so good to have you with us on the Someone to Tell To podcast. Thanks for being with us today. We're really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. 
Well, just to give our, our listeners a little bit of backstory, uh, we have a co-working space, uh, an office that we work out of here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I just happened to be working at a workstation the one day and Brianna happened to be sitting next to me. And uh, one of our other team members just introduced me to Brianna and we had dabbled in her, her website a little bit and learned a little bit more about her. And I just leaned across the table. I said, would you want to be a podcast guest? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, two she, seconds after I met you, yes. I said, sure. Yeah. So it's it's just great to have you with us today. Uh, one of the things that we just love to do with all of our guests is just if you could just kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and your story. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Brianna. Um, I'll tell you a little bit of my personal side because I know we're going to get into a little bit of the work that I do. Um, I'm 28 years old. I am really close to my family. So right now, I think something that's unique, a unique position that I'm in is I'm, I live in a three generation home. And so um, after college, I had moved back in with my parents. They're very gracious. Um, but then a couple of years later, my grandmother, who has dementia, she moved from North Carolina into our house. And then my uncle also moved in. So he always, her son always lived with her. He has autism. And so now we have this large uh, <laughs> family dynamic that's mm. happening. And so I think a lot of um, my life and a lot of like who I am comes from uh, my family. And I, it's like, it's just this really sweet um, season that I'm in right now. So that's one little bit of me. Um, I have an identical twin sister. Uh, she lives in North Carolina, and then I have a younger sister who's also, um, she's actually in Ohio studying to be a doctor. So really, really close to my family. They're a big part of, of who I am, but they've also um, really pushed me into the space that I'm in. I say push, but probably facilitated me into the space that I'm in, um, which is strengths coaching and um, leading workshops, doing a couple keynotes here and there, um, all from the perspective of building healthy cultures, understanding team dynamics, um, and the individual person. So tell us a little bit more about what they saw in you. Sure. So I would say, first off, um, stories have um, been a big part of my life and um, communication in general. So whether it's speaking or writing, I remember my mom would always tell this story of I was too young to know my characters yet, so I didn't really know how to write, but she gave us um, notebooks and I had mine filled up fully with squigglies. Um, and she said, I knew from the age that you were about three that some form of communication, whether it was writing or speaking, was mm -hmm. probably going to be a big part of your life because you would just fill up these notebooks with stories mm -hmm. that were just in your head and we didn't know what they were. Um, and so just throughout the years, they all really encouraged me. I think that was probably the biggest way. If you're thinking about facilitating, encouraging would be another word for that. Um, encouraging my love for, for compelling stories and how they can shape the people around you. Um, we all grew up in the church and that's a big portion of, of, of my life. I say portion, but it's all of my life, really, my relationship with the Lord. But I think that my understanding of life and my approach to life comes from stories that I grew up hearing. And, um, you know, whether it was in the church or with friends, I think that's a common denominator with everyone. We shape our lives based off of stories. And so what I love... Um, seeing is how stories 
can impact a person and change the trajectory of their lives. Um, whether it's a story that reframes something that they've heard from their past or something that can be much more future-oriented. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We would call ourselves storytellers yep. too. That's, I mean, our, the, several of the books that we've written are all stories that we've experienced uh, or lived, uh, you know, experienced with others or lived ourselves or together. Um, and, and every one of our speaking engagements that we do, you know, public, we're always telling stories because we think it helps connect that people can connect to those stories because they can see themselves in it or people they love, uh, whom they love in those stories and also help them to know that they're not alone yeah. in whatever it is they might be living with or going through. Mm-hmm. And that to learn that all of us, you know, have, have our insecurities and our struggles and our, and, and our, you know, just uncertainties in, in life. And we think stories really can motivate and inspire and reassure mm-hmm. uh, in, in so many ways. So could you tell us a story that, uh, since you like to tell stories that you're a storyteller, uh, that, that you, a story that has some meaning to you or some impact? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, are you thinking about a story from my own personal life or just a story that I've heard? It, ideally a story from your personal life. Yeah. But if, if um, you, there's something else you'd like to talk about, that's fine too. Sure. I remember when this, this is going far back more towards my, my childhood but I remember um, the first time that I was asked to give a um, a public speech. You know, we're looking at elementary school age. I think I was in fifth grade. And my mom, she looked at me and she said, you know, Brianna, sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. And it's funny because my dad was standing in the room and he always said, I don't like that. Don't fake it till you make it because you're you're doing it. You're not faking anything. You're just doing it. So they, they both have these different ideas of what success could look like or how to, to become successful in an area that you're scary at or scared at. Um, but I remember, so it was probably fifth grade. I was standing in front of everyone and sharing. Um, I don't even know what the topic was. But I, I was sharing in front of my class about something. It was probably a something around cooking I think we had to do like a um, a class around teaching I think I taught them how to do banana bread that's what it was but I remember specifically being up there and um, pulling people into what I was saying but with pauses which surprised me Um, oftentimes what you have to do when you're speaking in front of people, you think I have to be very gregarious. I have to be loud and boisterous. And that's not quite my personality. And I remember this going back to what my parents had said around, you know, faking it till you make it. Where my mom said, you know, fake it till you make it. But my dad said, just, just be who you are. And um, that's just one story. And I know it's kind of just pulling this one out, but that's something that began to shape the way that I saw um, leadership, the way that I saw tackling something that felt like a challenge. I was scared in the moment thinking, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and, uh, I got all this feedback from 
the teachers, from the students, like, oh man, this was incredible. Um, how did you think to say it this way or that way? I remember thinking, oh, just, I just decided to be myself in the moment. And so um, I don't know if that's quite exactly what you were looking for in regards to a story, but it's something I've had, I had so many of those throughout elementary, then middle school, then high school, then college, and then throughout my career, where it's these moments of just shaping um, confidence within myself. Mm-hmm. That's great, because it is the stories that we've experienced that make us who we are, that point to who we are now. Yeah. And as we look back, you know, from long ago, <coughs> excuse me, that we, we, we were able to see what did influence us and what inspired us and who sometimes, you know, in what situations as teachers who and others who complimented you and affirmed you yeah, to say, you know, you do have something here. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a gift that you have and that's really significant. So thanks. Yeah. I think both of us, we've written about this, I think in maybe in our first book of certain examples of people who really leaned in, in those you could call it a fragile moment where you could have had people that were kind of naysayers or maybe kind of pushing you in a different direction. And yet you, it sounds like had people who kind of rallied around your voice and it, both of us had experiences like that. Uh, For me, it was in grad school. I was in a storytelling class and I got up on stage to give this presentation and I was really well prepared and I just kind of rushed through it and I didn't feel comfortable because there are a lot of really great storytellers in my, in my class. And I was kind of comparing myself and I went out after the break, uh, we had a break in the middle of the class and kind of went out in this courtyard and sat down on this, this park bench. It was a beautiful sunny day and I was just feeling really dejected. And my professor, he could just instantly tell that I was feeling very vulnerable in that space. And he followed me out in the courtyard, plopped down next to me on the park bench and looked at me and he said, I want you to look at me right now. And he said, you are better than you think you are. And those words, I can't tell you how much those just instilled this confidence in me that has really changed my trajectory because I do so much speaking now. And I still doubt myself even to this day, but I do remember those words and how much those impacted me in such a profound way. Yeah. For me, um, I had also a similar graduate school experience where a professor told me that you have a voice and don't be afraid to use it. Don't be, the voice you have is, is important and significant and that, that to have confidence in that voice. And that, that was important. But I also think of fifth grade. When you mentioned fifth grade, I immediately thought of a a teacher. Uh, We were going on a a field trip the next day and I'm not even sure to where it was to, but um, in, in, when I was in school, we often had mothers, it was always mothers, who would drive carloads of kids from the class to wherever we were going. And there was, there was a boy named Terry in my class who was pretty significantly handicapped and had very big metal braces on. And he, he was slower moving and slower talking. And he, he, you know, his disability was pretty, pretty serious. And the teacher pulled me aside, as well as another boy in the class that day, and asked if both of us would ride in the car with Terry, because his mother was going to be driving him, because the teacher knew that no one else would, and no one would choose to 
to ride in the car with him, but identified me and another guy in the class as who, who would be sensitive enough and caring enough and kind enough to to want to be to be a friend to him, especially that day. And um, I did, and I remember that as one of the most. I don't remember any field trip went on at all mm. in elementary school except that one. Yeah, and I remember that one because of because of what that teacher asked me to do, and it it um, informed a a lot of why of what we do now. Looking out for people who who um, have you know have difficulties in life, people who who struggle in life, people who are often marginalized in life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now as a father, and interestingly enough, I have a, I have a son who has uh, profound disabilities mm-hmm. as well as autism and, and, a, and, a, and a young grandson who is on the autism spectrum as well. And so to, you, you never know. That's why these stories are, that, that we look back and how they informed our lives and how they helped to shape who we are really significant. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't even imagine. I, you always hear about how teachers and professors have such a big impact on um, young lives in particular, but um, I, you think about almost like that self-fulfilling prophecy uh, where it's what people say over you or what you say of yourself um, will have a big impact when you're right. in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, yeah. And so it's important to start young. It is. Teachers are important. <laughs> They are. And, and of course, it can work negatively, too. My, she'll kill me for saying this, but my wife, when she was in, she, one of her report cards, when she, she may have been in fifth grade as well, where the, the, the teacher wrote to her parents, she marches to the tune of her own drum. And it was meant as not a compliment, mm. <laughs> that she didn't listen very well. And, 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 and then there was another teacher, I think when she was in second grade, who told her, you're never going to make it to sixth grade. And... um my wife still remembers that, of course, and, but she's certainly made it through sixth grade. She's a college graduate and has had a very successful career. But the influence of, of people when we are young, either for positivity or negativity, can really, yeah. can really be strong. And we never forget either of them, mm-hmm. um, you know, those who mm. exemplified those things the most, whether bad or good. Yeah, you know, I mean, that even to tie it back to even strengths. So I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach. Yes, yeah, so tell us about that. <laughs> um, a lot of what I see within the workspace is um, people trying to suppress something that I would consider a strength because they were told since they were young that it's um, a weakness of theirs. And, and so it's interesting when you start to get into some of these conversations. And the reason why I say, you know, a weakness, each of these strengths, they have a light and a shadow. So if you're operating the shadow of the strength all the time, then I would actually consider it something that's potentially on the weakness side of things. But it's really beautiful when you can start to um, reframe it in a way of saying, oh, look, like you actually have this incredible talent. Here's a way that you can use it to propel yourself forward to bring other people along with you um, in a really positive light. Thank you for listening to the Someone to Tell It To podcast. Wonders Found Thrift Shop is proud to be one of its sponsors. Wonders Found is an all-volunteer-run thrift shop begun to support our mission team as they rebuild homes in disaster areas. We support local missions, people experiencing homelessness, 
veterans, and children and youth outreaches. We also provide clothing and household items to families displaced by fire or flood. You can learn more at our website, wondersfound.org, or stop in to see what wonders you can find at 7810 Allentown Boulevard, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'd like to come back to something on that note that you said a moment ago, and I hope I can find the question that I want to ask in there about people redefining success. And when you had that example of you speaking and you have a a very soft-spoken, gentle mannerism, which we love because it... I think it reminds us of ourselves, I hope. Uh, but, uh, you know, you don't have to be this boisterous, like loud, uh, exuberant person on stage to have an impact. Um, I guess the question I'm curious about is, like, how did that reshape your view of success um, mm-hmm. around that to, to be able to be confident in who yeah. you are? Um, so I, I've worked with a lot of people um, in this area and I'm going to get to it, but I want to add a little bit of context and some of the people I've worked the closest with, um, who I really admire have an extremely different personality type than me, where they are the life of the party. By the time they leave a room, everyone thinks that they're their best friend, that person's best friend. Um, and I'm the one who walks in and I'll talk to the one or two people that I know for like the entire conversation. So I remember thinking, oh man, to be successful in a space like this where you're leading workshops or facilitating or doing keynotes, do I have to be big and what does that look like? And I was really lucky to partner. um, So one of my partners, Jolene Pickens, I was really lucky that I got to have her as a mentor and now mentor slash partner um, because she really um, pushed for me to be fully myself. And to not stay in one box. So while I can be quiet and soft-spoken, other times I'm not. And so she made space for both of those areas. And we figured out what did it look like for me to be me um, with where I'm at. And so to, I think to answer your question, and you can let me know if I kind of stray a little bit. Um, one of the reasons why I like a, the strengths approach to things is because it gives people permission to tackle challenges and opportunities based off of who they are and not who they're not. So one of the things that I love to do as a strengths coach is show have people talk about, man, what's a huge challenge that you're facing right now? And why does it feel so big and so um, unattainable? And a lot of times it's because they've only seen people who have a very different skill set, have a very different personality trait than them, tackle it. And so they think in order for me to be successful in this space, I have to look just like them. And um, what I get to do is take them through, okay, what are your strengths? Let's look at your top five strengths, your top 10 strengths. Who are you? And let's figure out how do we actually use those, those, um, those strengths to tackle this challenge or opportunity. And it's, so, it's really cool because it empowers people and it reframes something um, that felt... Um, way too big for them and make it tangible. Does that answer your question? Oh, it does. And I, I would love for us if we could to even, can we do that exercise right now? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) We could. (laughs) Do you guys have a particular challenge or opportunity that you're facing? I immediately thought of one. uh, And I think Michael would probably be in agreement is we have always had this 
desire to be a global organization mm-hmm. because this is a global need of loneliness, disconnection that we see day in and day out. You know, we're in our 11th year now and we've had people in 25 countries reach out to our organization for support. And it's, it's the same issues. It might be packaged differently, but yep. whether it's a man in Saudi Arabia who's lost three children, you know, his grief is the same grief as somebody here in the United States. Or, you know, most recently we've been corresponding with people in the Ukraine uh, as yeah. a result of the war. And pain is pain. Suffering is suffering. Um, the human condition is the same. And yeah, we just have this, you know, our heart's desire is always to, to be a part of this global movement and have a global impact to be solving a global problem. And, you know, we are right in the midst of trying to work through, we live in a pretty insular area here in central Pennsylvania. Yep. And we don't have those types of global thinkers uh, readily at our fingertips, you know? And so how do we surround ourselves with people who have that energy? And, And also, you know, who could help support that vision and that yearning that we have. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And so generally, like when I, you know, one of the things I always say to individuals when we go through a process like this is we're not trying to solve world hunger, <laughs> even though your your perspective is how do we become more globally um, minded, yeah. um, have a global impact what I always say is what, what we want to do is leave with a couple of smart goals. <laughs> so something that's just tangible, that's based off of who you are. So, you know, when you think about like, what are some of your hindrances to that? So if it really is just, man, just live in such an ins- insular or provincial type of area, um, what we would start to do is start looking at what are your top five strengths? I don't know if you guys know your top five strengths off. I do. Oh, you do? What are your top five strengths? So I'm a futurist. Uh Uh-huh. I'm an idea, ideation. Okay. Um, Competition. Mm -hmm. Empathy, interestingly enough, is number six. Okay. So I was surprised by that. And I don't remember the other two. Why were you surprised by that? Uh, Just because I think, you know, this, this mission was essentially birthed out of both of Michael and I listening to people's story. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that we both have a strong sense of human connection and, and yep. empathy towards others. So you thought it would be higher up? I, d- I did. I was surprised by that. But yeah, yeah I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head what the other two are, yeah. but I do know those are the top three. Yeah. One thing I'll say real quick is that um, your top 10 strengths, think of them more as like a circle or a pie as opposed to like a linear list. Okay. So six has just as much impact as two would. Um but I'll also say that each of these strengths, they're not the destination itself. It's a pathway to the destination. And so actually a lot of people have a hard time if they see empathy as number. Yours is high. I would consider it yeah. really high. Some people, if they see empathy as number 34 for them, immediately <laughs> like they start clutching um, the, the seat, the armchair seat. So um, I would say that like, you know, if the goal is to be observant, to listen well, to show kindness and compassion, you can do that with analytical just as easily as you could do with empathy. Just the way you do it's going to look different. Mm-hmm. So don't get hung up on strengths yeah. that you don't see at your top. But um, yeah, what, I mean, I don't know if you actually want to, it takes some time. <laughs> Usually <laughs> these sessions are like an hour, but generally <laughs> what we would do is start to look at 
pick out some of your specific strengths. So, okay, how could you use competition to expand um, your network? What does that look like? Um, how could you use empathy to connect with people who have a different mindset than the ones that you're generally with. So that's the types of questions that I would start to ask. And then from there, the goal is to come up with actual checklists. So I can check this off my list. I can put this on my calendar. So it's not just a fluffy conversation, but something that has practical impact. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think that we could, one of the things we could do is to celebrate the steps we have made in that direction, especially in 2022. We added our first international board member from Israel. And um, he's actually technically the second because Connor Donnan, who was formerly on our podcast, if you go back, I think to season three, he was a guest on our program and he's from Ireland, Mm -hmm. but he lives here in the United States, but it counts. Our newest board (laughs) member, uh, he actually lives in Israel. And so we're starting to, to make some necessary strides in that way. So I think to your point though, we are getting very specific with a couple tangible things that we can do to start to move. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, there's a lot to say uh, it, it, to this. My my number one, what was at the top of the list, even mm-hmm. if, the, you know, in the linear list, but yep. I, I understand the pie um, analogy was, is empathy. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I'm also thinking, I can't remember them all, but uh, the, the, also uh, positivity was one and intellect. I mean, the, the deep thinker about things and I'm always thinking about things and discernment, I think discernment, I think is, is probably is up there as well. Yeah. Maybe dis- um, is it discipline? Discernment isn't one of the 34, but okay. discipline that's just, is that's another test we took. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, I, I can't think I, I, yeah. I'm drawing a blank on the other two that the top five that were listed, but my guess is you lead with relationship is that there's different domains that each of the strengths fall within. And usually you you fall pretty heavily within one of the domains. And just hearing some of the ones that you you mentioned, so my which guess one, is, which do you think it would be? Well, I think you would fall within the relationship building domain. Okay. Um, and so because you talked about um, empathy, and did you have? Deve- I was listening to a couple other podcasts. Did you say developer was in your top as yes, well? Yes, I think that that was one too. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I I knew it started with a D, and I just did mm-hmm. not discernment, but developer yep. is what it was. There you and, go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's just so many. I, what I love about this is that we all have access to all 34 strengths. It's just um, the way, again, the way that they showcase in your life is going to look very different than the person beside you. And the goal is not to look like the person beside you. So. Well, I think for us, um, and this was not, conversation wasn't supposed to be about us, but, you know, we can talk about us a little this bit today, too, that, uh, that I think our, our strengths um, really complement. There, there, we have a lot of similarities, very, very much so, uh, but, but the things that we each maybe have more uniquely uh, are really great complements mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what the other has. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. No, it and, does make sense. And so I think that's why we've been successful. There have been people who have been surprised that after 11 years, we're still friends. <laughs> you know, they're doing this for 11 and they're still friends. And um, absolutely, I think, I hope closer than ever. And um, because we know each other really well and appreciate the differences as well as the, the, common, the commonalities. And, um, or, you know, and learn more every year. 
especially about those differences yeah. and, and to know, to know what, what's important to each other and what we each need. Yeah. I would say usually within some of our closest relationships. So whether it's um, a spouse or a business partner, we often see that um, the list that you have, it looks like flipped in the other person. So your top strengths might be your spouse's bottom strengths and then vice mm-hmm. versa or a business partner. So usually mm-hmm. there's like, um, we don't always see that, but that's something that um, we've just noticed it's helpful. You usually don't want to partner with someone who's exactly like you um, or super similar to you. It can be easier yeah. to get along with, um, but um, the potential for growth is diminished. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I do want to say that just yesterday, and we've talked about it, had a chance to talk about it a little bit, we actually, as far as the international and global global desire that we have, we were invited to be on a Zoom, um, in a Zoom conversation with only six other people in the whole world. Uh, you know, a couple of us were from the United States, someone that was from Israel, someone from uh, the Netherlands, someone from Switzerland, uh, for, ex- for example, and th- who uh, it was convened by a group, uh, pe- some people who wanted to pull together who some people, and we were two of them who thought they thought had a global perspective and have a need to be more globally known and recognized and to work together as a as a, a collective as as they were terming it to to have a greater global impact and the fact that we were invited into this very elite in the sense of small group of people from around the world was pretty cool yeah were you intimidated at all no no, that's the thing. That's, that's great. Not, not at all. I think we felt right at home and had an equal voice in the conversation and, and we had a unique voice and we, you know, and all of us in the, in the, in the, in the zoom were, we're doing, we're all in the listening space as we call it in one okay. way or another, but all of us do things differently and have a different part, a piece of that pie in this space. Mm-hmm which is really kind of cool. And so everyone brings something to that, to that table um, that is different as well as the same and for a greater, a greater whole. Yeah. I love that. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. And one of the things we always say is that different doesn't mean deficient. It could mean difficult, but it doesn't mean deficient. And so it's, it's really great when you start to rub shoulders, it can add some friction, but yeah. Do some beautiful things. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that gave us confidence in that meeting yesterday is we can really say that we're experts in this field of listening because we've been doing it for eleven years. We've had tw- almost twenty thousand listening interactions with people from around the world. We, you know, we really think that we're good at what we do, and it's not like a prideful kind of thing. It's just we've done this for a long time. We've really immersed ourselves in this work, and so you know, we can confidently say we're experts. I mean, I think uh, there's a leadership expert says that if you invest ten thousand hours into something you could be considered an expert at it. And so we've far exceeded that at this point, you know, but I'd love to ask you about that. I mean, was there kind of a moment for you where you could kind of consider yourself an expert in this space space? Cause you, we would think you're an expert at this point based on everything you're describing today. Well, thank you. I think for me, that's a constant, um, 
reminder or even like a, a struggle for me where I'm like, okay, no, this is a space that I can consider. I would say no, there wasn't a specific <laughs> moment where I considered myself an expert. Um, I think that I have so much left to, to learn and grow in. And I'm constantly around people who are expanding my worldview, expanding my knowledge in this space. So um, could I consider myself an expert in some areas? Sure. But I think that I'm definitely would consider myself a lifelong learner. Not that you guys don't consider yourselves that either. Um, <laughs> but learning. I just know a lot of people who have um, a few years on me in this space. And that's okay. I think I love that I get to walk beside them. So That's great. Yeah. I, yeah, and I think we both believe very much that no matter how long we live, no matter how much we do anything, we can always learn more. Yeah. We can always grow. And that's what life should be about, you know, personally, professionally, whatever, that we're just always growing, always learning. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorites. Uh, I'd love to ask a little bit more about StrengthsFinder and some of the things that you have learned. I know that StrengthsFinder, when it came out, was kind of this like revolutionary kind of concept because mm -hmm. we're kind of hardwired to see the negative the negative in ourselves, the negative in others. And, you know, just could you talk a little bit about what what that's been like for you? Yeah. You know, I when you think about even high schoolers, like what are they told um, when it comes to, okay, if you want to get into a great college, like what do you what do you have to do? You have to be really well rounded. You have to focus on the things that you're not that great at and make them um, become more proficient in them. So if you're already an excellent math student, awesome. You also need to focus on, you have to be in, join a sports team or you have to um, be a part of the musical so you can be well-rounded. Um, what's interesting is that the strengths perspective is that individuals are not well-rounded. We're actually really sharp. Teams are, are well-rounded. And so... Um, you know, back in the 50s, uh, there was a study that Gallup did in Nebraska with a set of students. And what they did was they took these two groups of students um, and tested their speed reading ability. So one group was extremely proficient. They were starting at about 300 to 350 words per minute. That's what they were reading at. The other group was a little bit below average. So we're looking at 90 words per minute. So over the course of a couple of weeks, they gave them the same set of tools, same set of, um, you know, just ways to make themselves better within the speed reading category. And by the end of um, these tests, at the end of these um, assignments, they saw some movement in both groups. Um, in the group that started off at 90 words per minute, they jumped up to 150 so at that point, they're like, okay, no, that, that's a pretty significant change. Well done. But then they looked at the group that was at 300, and they jumped to 2,900 words per minute. So that's paragraphs per minute, and it's, almost, it's over an 800% increase. And so what they started to figure out was, oh, wait a minute. I think we're spending a lot of our time focusing on the wrong thing here. When we look at personal development, when we look, when we look at growth in any space, um, oftentimes we're told, okay, to be a great leader, to be a successful individual, look at what you're not good at 
and pound out, pound it out. Just keep at it until you can eliminate it. Um, but we're actually seeing, we probably see some um, exponential growth when we actually focus on the areas of strength that we have. So what I would say, and like what a, a lot of other researchers say is when you focus on your weaknesses, you prevent failure. Not a bad thing. But when you focus on your strengths, you see exponential growth. So the question is like, what's your greatest ROI? I think it's focusing more on your strengths. So it does, um, when you walk into spaces, it can be difficult to kind of um, combat or reframe that approach because a lot of it is, well, I'm having trouble with this person because these are all their weaknesses. Let's fix this. Let's fix it. And oftentimes it's, well, what are their strengths? Maybe they're just in the wrong seat. Makes sense. And actually we've, uh, as, Throughout this conversation, we've asked a total of one question that's been on the, the, the page that we prepared <laughs> to ask questions for. But that's actually really cool because this conversation is taking us just organically and naturally in yeah. all different places, but all surrounding, I think, a lot of the questions we wanted to ask. But one of those questions is, and you just hit upon it, mm -hmm. and maybe you could say a little bit more, is that one of your your your, your values is about focusing on what not on what someone does that's not good. Yeah. Instead, focus on what they do that is good, that right. is strong. Can you can you say some more about that? Because it seems like our, culturally, we, we tend to do it the opposite and look at what somebody is deficient in, what somebody's done that's not been so good or what they can be better in and focus on that as you're saying, but, yeah. but it, but we see, but what you're saying is that doesn't necessarily help a lot. It might help somewhat, but the biggest growth, the biggest change comes from accentuating the positive yeah, and the good. So absolutely say more if you can. And I, I think one other caveat that I would add is that this isn't to provide an excuse. Um, so I think that's probably one of the big pushbacks that we get when we, when we walk into spaces and when I've walked into spaces, it's, um, well, you're just making an excuse for poor behavior. Nope. That's not what we're doing here. Um, you don't ignore weaknesses. Um, you just manage them and you maybe navigate them when you need mm -hmm. to, but you just put most of your time and your effort towards what you're really good at. So for example, if someone were to say, you know what, Discipline's number 34 for me. So if I show up late to work every day, that's just who I am. Like that, no, <laughs> not you'll, helpful. Get, you'll get fired. <laughs> that's not how this works. Yeah. Um, but um, what we find is that, you know, if people can really focus on their strengths, you, you start to have, you know, um, have you guys heard some of these key indicators of what an engaged employee is or looks like. And one thing that as a coach I'm, I look for is what are the areas where you lose track of time in? Um, what are the areas that if you, if you were to do it, you, you just forget that it's, you're supposed to do it for two hours and it's six and you didn't realize it's been six, six hours has gone by. And that's probably an area of strength for you. Um, but what we find is that if people are putting their time and their efforts Towards that, um, it's going to benefit the company <laughs> um, because uh, the quality of the work increases, the innovation of the work um, is expanded. But then also you just have people who like coming to work. 
they go to bed and then when they wake up, they're excited to start off where they, where they finished the last day or the day before. And so when you have engaged employees, um, that it, it benefits not just the, the person themselves, it benefits the company or whatever endeavor they're, in, they're a part mm. of. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's really helpful. And we just think this, that's such an important and vital concept. And we wish more people would embrace it like you do and yeah. like you help to, to, to teach and lead and, and inspire people to. And we just wish more and more people would because we think that's, I think we, we develop better. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, all of us, uh, when we can accentuate the things that really we've been gifted to do. Could you maybe share an example of a company or maybe even on an individual level of folks that you've worked with that have, you've seen that transformation occur? Sure. Um, I remember I was working, this was actually in a church setting. Um, we had a church, I had a church that had brought um, Jack, Jolene and I both in at the time. And we were doing some individual coaching sessions with um, some of the, the, the staff. And there was one um, woman in particular, I don't want to give too many details, but one woman in particular, and she had a restorative at her top. This was one of her strengths. And restorative is a strength that specifically looks at, um, they see what's broken in everything around them. So they look, they see, oh, this needs fixed. This needs fixed. This is broken. This is broken. Um, it's an incredible strength to have. But what she had been told all her life was that she was a Debbie Downer. She was too negative. Mm. Um, people didn't like being around her. And um, through this process, and it was actually really, this was early on within my coaching career. And so I got to see how much impact that something like this could make. She got really teary-eyed because she, um, and she basically said, I never heard it framed this way. Or this part of me I was suppressing and I felt like it was so negative. You guys are actually telling me it's a strength. And then we got to talk through and work through what does it look like to actually be in the light of this strength? I call them strengths. Really, they're neutral. It's what you do with them that make them good or great. And so if you're working in, like I said before, in the shadow of it, it you know, you'll feel it and the people around you will feel it. But we've got to talk through um, what does it look like when you're in your day-to-day -day setting to start pointing out the things that can be elevated, but do it in a way that it brings hope and encouragement for what could be to the people around you. Um, that's a very specific example, but then we got to see it with so many of the other individuals on that team of their relationship with that person um, was... Uh, made a little bit better. They were able to gel a bit more, understand someone else's perspective. And so I think what's really cool about this work is that when it comes to, to teams, to working alongside people, work, working alongside people um, if you understand their why, why do you ask so many questions? They're like, why are you always <laughs> pointing this out? Like, why are you so loud every time you come into the room? And you start to realize, oh, it's actually not about me. It's not like an, uh, an attack on me or an attack on the person. It's just who you are. So how do I begin to value that and see it and we make space for it? There's always going to be room to grow. So 
again, it's, it's being really intentional with what you have inside of you that can make it great or, or not great. Yeah. It's so freeing for both the individual who has that strength and also the team that is around that individual. There's nothing worse than being misunderstood. Correct. Yeah. I think I heard you say like to, to know and be known on one of the, like, I, I loved that. I think to know and be known to love and be loved. Like those are the eternal quests of humanity. (laughs) And so I think this is a great way not to put labels on people, but to give language to their why, to give language to behaviors and ways of thinking and processing the world. Well, it's been so delightful getting to know you better. And we are going to be rubbing elbows a lot more uh, at the co-working space. But maybe we could just end today with a kind of a broad question that we sometimes love to ask our guests. And it's kind of a personal question, but just what's kind of giving you hope in the world right now? Mm, That's a great question. There's a lot um, that's giving me hope. I since you're anything. Yeah. So since you guys are pastors, I feel comfortable sharing this. Um, one of the verses that I've been hanging on to this year or that I really hung on to in um, 2022 was, you know, even youth um, grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just talking about, but those who hope in the Lord will, will renew their strength those soaring wings like eagles. And so for me, something that's given me hope is just one looking for the little miracles in everyday moments. Um, That's a broader perspective for me. That's been a bit more personal. Um, But I would say that something, so yes, what the, the Lord's been giving me a lot of hope lately, but I would say within the business world, um, it's, people's desire to see a better a better tomorrow a better space um you know i think i over and over again i i meet a ceo or um a manager or a director who cares so much about their team there's always ones who don't care in the way that i you know you would prefer them to but there's so many who do and they're trying to figure out what's the best way to do this. You know, I feel misunderstood. I think my team feels misunderstood. Um, and what gives me hope is just the desire for growth, the desire for connection, and the desire for the betterment of individual people's lives. And I think that when we have that perspective of bettering individual people, that's when we start to see a global impact. So, that gives me hope. Well, Rihanna, thank you very, very much for this conversation. It was just so easy and natural and, and it's fascinating to us to, to talk about these things. And uh, I mean, our, our business, our job is, is, is to get to know people and to uh, uh, enable them to be known. And we hope loved and know that they are loved. And, and your job is much the same, actually. And helping people to be their best selves, to discover what their gifts are, to embrace them and live them. And uh, we're proud of you for the work that you do. And uh, thank you for it. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and your experience and your stories with us today. Thank you so much for having me. talked about today and you know and and as well as found in our in our research on 
Umbriana and, and what she does every day uh, for, for a living is the positivity and the positive emphasis that she and her, her partner and, and, the, and the team she works with will put on helping people to develop themselves and helping organizations to develop their cultures. The fact that, uh, that instead of focusing on what somebody doesn't do, what someone lacks, what, what someone might, might do that is not so good, uh, they focus instead, and more importantly, on what is good, on where their gifts are, where their strengths are. And I, I think we just found that to be very encouraging and reassuring. And, and we, too, we too try to do much the same thing. And, and so it was, it was just fun to, and wonderful to talk with someone who has that same philosophy and that same value. I was reminded, if you remember in our first book, we used this example of a dog sledding team. Mm-hmm. We had attended a le- local leadership conference here in Harrisburg, and there was a, um, a coach, like a, a professional dog sled um, trainer, and he was talking about each one of his dogs in his seminar, and he would say, yeah, this dog is the fastest dog on the team, and this dog also sometimes is a bit aloof and will chase rabbits or squirrels. And we just noticed a slight nuance in his language that he didn't use, but uh, he's the, he's the fastest on the, the team, but he's also aloof. It was always, and, and it was a very positive kind of um, you know, nuance. nuance. Yeah. And, you know, I think Brianna has just that same perspective. And so do we, that just, we are a package deal. I mean, we have strengths, and there's also another side of us that sometimes as she references our shadow side, but it's what makes us who we are. And if all of us could focus more on each other's strengths, it's just incredible. Uh, the kind of impact that we can have in the world and just how we would treat each other with more respect and dignity and self-worth and just value each other more. Absolutely. I thought of that same story when she was talking. I, 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 I thought the same thing. Well, thanks for being with us today. Uh, we just love this conversation. We hope you enjoyed it as well. You can always go to our website to learn more about us at someone to tell to someone to tell it to.org. If you'd like to learn about our listening or our training programs. Uh, in addition, you can always go to our Patreon page to support our work as it's another opportunity to help us grow. So thanks again. And until we listen again. <laughs>